God, we give you thanks for your greatness in our lives these last weeks where we have wandered a wilderness. Uh, you have been present every step of the way. And so I pray, Lord, today as we tie a bow on what was and look to what may yet be, pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes, that we would hear your voice from these scriptures today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible and you feel like flipping there, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I think if I stand back here, it, it, the signal goes through the glass, and then we're good to go. Joshua 1. We have been in 1 Peter. We're just taking a quick break. We're going to finish up 1 Peter next week. I'll have another one-off on the first weekend of July, and then July 12, we're starting in the book of Acts. When will we be done? I don't know. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with our approach, usually at Regen, we kind of Netflix binge one book of the Bible at a time. And sometimes I kind of set an end date, but we don't have one for that that series yet. So uh, today is the 15th, the 15th Sunday, by my count, since we retreated from public worship. Today marks 98 days since we had, were last together as a spiritual family face-to-face. And, and when that shelter-in-place journey began, we looked to Scripture to find resources on which to draw, a grammar and vocabulary to help us understand and explain and engage in that season well. And when we looked to Scripture, we found that while this time of quarantine was new to us, The time of wilderness is not new to God's people, and that's what our time of shelter in place was. It was a time of wilderness, an imposed wilderness. But the wilderness is a place that God's people have found themselves many, many times. Moses wandered the far side of the desert, and there he found a bush, caught a fire, but a bush that was not consumed. David wandered in the wilderness that was prepared to take the throne and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Naomi and Ruth wandered the wilderness to find their way to Bethlehem, where Ruth would meet and marry Boaz. Esther walked a sort of wilderness as she boldly confronted the king to save the lives of her people. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days in the wilderness, as a shadow of the 40 years that his ancestors wandered there. The wilderness that we walked in these weeks is like any wilderness God's people have ever experienced. The wilderness is a place of trial and temptation. And in this season, you have been tried. In this season, you have been tested in your marriage, in your parenting, in your singleness, in your finances, in your career, in your faith. The words of Peter that we heard all those weeks ago have proven true in this season. He says, pure gold put in the fire comes out proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. This season, hear me on this, this season was not a waste. This season was not a hoax. This season was not a conspiracy. This season was ordained by God for your spiritual formation in the way of Jesus. It was God who worked and willed in you to draw out your faith 
like gold from a furnace. This wilderness was a time of trial and temptation, but the wilderness for God's people has always been a place of encounter, has always been a place of encounter. And I have heard and seen again and again and again in our community how this was a season of sweet spiritual depth, how scripture leapt off the page as if you were reading it for the first time about how sin you would rather not confront. You were left with it to deal with it and you found victory over it. Some of you prayed out loud for the first time in this season. It's kind of a core curriculum piece here at Regen. You were faced with the choice of you. Some of you were faced with the choice between truth and caving to culture, and you chose truth. I am so thrilled. Stephanie and I are so thrilled at the spiritual growth we've seen in our community in this season, the growth that we have seen in you as your pastor and wife, as the spiritual parents to our spiritual family here at Regen. We are so amazed by the increase in your faith and character. And all that is, is the words of Romans 5 proving true. Romans 5 says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Hey, oh, that's weird. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. These words have been fulfilled in you and in your homes and in your lives because you leaned in. And if you didn't lean in, by the way, this is this sermon is intended to bring about an appropriate level of conviction so that you have a testimony for your children not to waste opportunity. But you leaned in. You pressed into a season of trial and temptation and encounter, and the wilderness is always about those three things, testing and trial and encounter, but it's always about empowerment because, you see, Jesus goes out, comes into the desert full of the Holy Spirit, and he leaves the desert full of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a season not only to be more faithful, but also to be more fruitful, and, 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 fruitful. and I have to admit, I might be the only person that says this, I'm really sad this season is over. I'm really sad that this season is ending because it has been so rich in my walk with God in our marriage and in our parenting and in our home. It has been so rich in your lives that I don't wish for an increase in COVID-19. I wish for another opportunity to force you to be at home for 15 weeks. Because in that secret place, God has done something. So as we looked for scripture for resources and grammar on how to wander the wilderness, I wanted to look to scripture for how do we go forward from here? I don't want this time of wilderness to just this thing that we check on and we move on past from and just keep going. We do that too quickly as Westerners. The goal is how do we stop and look back and reflect and receive what God had for us in that season and then step boldly into the new territory he has for us. And as we think about stepping into new territory, as we think about leaving wilderness, we come to the story of Joshua. We come to Joshua, who is leading into a new normal. So if you have a Bible, let's look at Joshua chapter 1. We're going to jump around in those first chapters a bit. Joshua chapter 1. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Joshua 1. After... I'm looking at Judges. That's why that's confusing. I said, after the death of Joshua, I thought, well, that's not what I want. He's supposed to be alive right now. Okay, there he is. 
After the death of Moses, we're good with him being dead. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, Yahweh spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, these Israelites, across the Jordan, into Jordan River into the land I am giving them. See, everything you need to know is in that little sentence. Josh, he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, he's dead. He's gone. I like to hear that echo. It's over. Now Joshua, this young, leader, this young man, is being thrust into leadership. His mentor, his friend, his leader is gone. This is the Lord's way of saying, hey, we're in a new normal and there is no going back. Joshua was part of Moses' leadership team as Moses led the people of Israel, the people of God, for 40 years of wilderness wandering. And that wilderness wandering comes to an end, and Moses isn't permitted to go to the promised land. That's partly because of his own sin, and that's partly because of a new wine needs new wineskins issue. They need a new kind of leader for a new season. And so Joshua and the people of Israel stand on the, the banks of the River Jordan. God calls Joshua to lead, and then he does a miracle. In Joshua 3, God commands the priests, carrying the Ark of the, carrying the, Ark of the Covenant, the Ark is, is the local point, the focal point of God's presence on earth in the Old Testament, he, the, he takes these priests, he, he commands these priests to walk into the water, and listen to what happens in Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 14. The people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Hadam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over to the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. If you know anything about the Bible, the Bible likes to kind of repeat itself, and it does this intentionally. This is a new baptism, a new preparation, a new parting of the waters, just like in the book of Exodus, to prepare God's people for a new season. This is a new situation that they're in, but God is saying, this is a new situation, but I'm the same God. Because this is a new situation, because they serve the same God, they can boldly move forward into their new normal. So Israel walks through on this land that's dry as a bone, and when they hit the other side, God invites them, challenges them to engage in an act of remembrance. He says, get 12 dudes, have them go back into the river, and have them get some stones. And I'm not talking like a little stone that you buy in a bag at Hobby Lobby. Okay? The other day, we're trying, to plant, we're trying to plant a plant. This is why I don't do home things, because it always thwarts you. So I'm trying to plant this thing. It's called a clematis. And it, I need an 18-inch hole, and I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging, and I hit a little rock. So I scrape around, I scrape around. There's like a boulder under my house, okay? This is the kind of rock we're talking about. The Bible says that the men had to heft it on their shoulders, and they took 12 of these stones, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. They come out on the dry land, and they make a pile of these rocks, it's an act of remembrance because Joshua hears this from the Lord in chapter 4, verse 21. In the, actually, Joshua says this to the Israelites. He says, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? It's not a little pile of rocks. I mean, it's as tall as me. What do these stones mean? And then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. 
for the Lord your God dried up the river right your right before their eyes and and he kept it dry until they were all across just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had crossed over and he did this check this out he did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and you might fear the Lord your God forever listen in this in this moment this is what we find in this see when they cross the river they leave the wilderness behind and they enter their new normal. And as they cross that river through these parted waters, as the Lord does a miracle, this is the Lord saying, there's no going back. There ain't no going back. The world that existed in early March before our lives shut down is not here anymore. We haven't moved geographically, but COVID-19 and its accompanying moment of a realization of the depths of systemic racial oppression in our country have created a moment from which we cannot go back. Our culture has shifted and the world is different. We can't go back. So stop trying. As they gather the stones, these memorial stones, Moses, uh, Joshua says, these stones are so that when your kids ask, what are these stones about, you can tell them. I'm wondering what stories you want to tell your kids about this season. Is it a story about how we just kind of hung out and watched Netflix and we're pretty lazy? If so, the story to your kids is don't waste opportunities like I wasted them. I had a once-in-a-lifetime chance for spiritual formation, and I blew it. I blew it watching Fox News and playing video games. I blew it watching CNN and playing video games. Just take your pick. It's okay. There's grace for that. I'm just saying that the testimony of I had an opportunity and I blew it is just as powerful as I leaned in. I pressed in. I did the hard work. I conquered sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. I read scripture. I engaged. There's no going back is the first thing. What, what story are we going to tell our kids about this later? Whatever story it is, you got to tell it. Whatever story it is, you got to tell it. Faith is a personal thing. It's not a private thing. Whatever story it is, you got to tell it. So there they are, the people of Israel. The waters have crashed in behind them. They can't go back now. And ahead of them is a territory full of enemies. I mean, just cities overflowing with people that would kill the Israelites just to watch them die. The spies in the book of the number in the book of numbers, they go in and they say, Hey, those dudes are really tall. They're like giants. I think we have a problem. And so here we are, we can't go back. There's new territory ahead of us and our enemies aren't flesh and blood. Hear me this. If you vote blue, your enemies aren't the people who vote red. If you vote red, the people that are your enemies aren't the people that vote blue. Police aren't your enemy. People of color aren't your enemy. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is the God of this world, who scripture says has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Our enemies are the spiritual authorities and power who work behind the scenes of human government, manipulating them to create systems of injustice and oppression for people that are unborn, for people of color, for people that are poor. And on the edge of this new territory, God wants to speak to us. On the edge of this new territory, God has a promise for you, and it's the same promise that he offered Joshua. Look back now at Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 6. We're going to read through verse 9. He says, be strong and courageous, for you're the one that will lead these people to possess all the land I swore their ancestors I would give them. 
be strong, be very courageous, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. I looked up the word all in Hebrew. Do you know what it means? It means all. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. One translation says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written on it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. On the brink of new territory, God says to Joshua, God says to us, he says, I am with you. No one that stands against you will be able to do it for long. Wherever your foot goes, your foot is on land that I have provided. And three times in this passage, three times he says, be strong and courageous. My friends, now is not the time for returning to normal. Now is not the time for settling for what was. Now is the time to press in. Now is the time to take the territory that God has given us to do it with courage and strength. Because here's why. Everything that your non-Christian friends and neighbors put their faith in three months ago has been ripped away from them. Everything your non-Christian friends and neighbors put their faith in three months ago has been ripped from them. Do you know why social media is so intense right now? It's because it's the only thing we got left. This one issue, this one question, this one election. It's the only thing we got. Because our career, our money, our marriage, our success, our image, all of that is meaningless when you're trapped at home for weeks on end. The stuff we buy doesn't mean a lot when nobody can see it. The stuff we buy doesn't have a lot of fun buying it when you have to like suit up in your hazmat suit to go to the grocery store. Marriages are on the brink. Children are plagued with anxiety. Finances are in shambles. And what people put their hope in a few months ago has been snatched away. And it's just the right time for you and I, the people of Jesus, to, in the words of Peter, give a reason for the hope that is within us. Now is not the time for going back to normal. And hear me on this. Now is not the time for shrinking back from injustice. I don't care how you vote. Now is not the time. Jesus goes into the wilderness. He comes out after 40 days. And do you know what his first sermon is? Love everybody and don't worry about politics. His first sermon is this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and hang on, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. If the good news we're preaching isn't good news to the people that Jesus preached to, we're not preaching the same message that Jesus preached. Do you see what I'm saying? If the good news that I'm preaching doesn't sound good to the poor and to the oppressed, if the year of the Lord's favor doesn't touch them, if it's only for white middle-class people who are fine, then we've done it wrong. Because the good news of Jesus is for such as these. We have been at a time of wilderness wandering, a time of spiritual renewal and growth, to be prepared, hear me on this, prepared for the revival that is to come. Crisis precedes revival. And, the, and, and listen, Christians who go back to how it used to be will miss it. 
Christians who look to political parties to solve the issues that they have not been solving for 50 years will miss it. Christians who focus on preference will miss it. But disciples, apprentices of Jesus, who boldly and courageously go where God has called them, who run into the new territory equipped with the armor of God, they will see revival come in their midst in this generation now. So how do we boldly and courageously step into the now? Here's how. First, we take the next step of obedience, period. The book of Joshua goes well as long as they take the next step placed in front of them. Things fall apart for the children of Israel when they say, oh, that, that city looks a little too hard. We'll save that for later. That territory is a little too intimidating. Let's press pause. We'll, we'll, we'll make it happen later. The way that we conquer the new territory is by humble obedience. What is the next step that God's calling you to take today? What sin is there to confess? What conversation has God been calling you into that you've been avoiding? Who have you been praying for and avoiding having to share the gospel? We take the next step of obedience. Be careful to obey everything. As Christians, we like to relegate certain things to not that big of a deal. That was a giant bug that just flew by my head. That was terrifying. I saw my life flash before my eyes. Okay. The next step. And the second is this. We got to armor up. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from you. Shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. So you may be careful to do all that is written in it. And you know, for 91 days, we prayed Psalm 91. And my favorite verse in that, in that Psalm is this. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. His promises, his word. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 6, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against the mighty, mighty powers in the dark world, against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will, be faith, you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. And notice, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Listen, it's this book. It's this book that we soak our lives in and root our lives in. Not because it's a book, but because this is where God says, hey, this is where God communicates with us today and through all time so that we are ready for what God has called us to do. I love you so much, and there's so much anticipation in me for the season that is to come. But let me pray, and let's do something that we've not done in a super long time. Let's go to the Lord's table together. Father, you've called us into the now. You've called us into this moment. For every step of this wilderness wandering that you have proven yourself faithful and good, we thank you. 
For every step of obedience my dear ones here have taken, we give you thanks for the grace that you supplied them to enable them to do it. God, we pray that you would be moving powerfully in our lives, not just today, not just in these weeks, but every day, that we would walk with confidence on the territory that you have given us, so that we might be faithful, that we might be found faithful of the calling you have. As we come to the table today, Jesus, we're so eager to share this meal with you, and so thank you for sharing your presence with us as we eat and drink. In Jesus' name, amen.